Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Well, how do you like them now? Three days into the Southeastern Conference Baseball Tournament and your Ole Miss Rebels are unbeaten in Hoover, Alabama. We'll talk about that and much more in this special TGIF Friday edition of the Rebel Rise Live podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm David Johnson along with your co-host Dave Bevan. And what a run Mike Bianco and his Ole Miss Rebels are putting together at the SEC tournament. Three victories in the first three days of the SEC tournament over some of the nation's best competition. The Rebels start things on Tuesday by eliminating Georgia. Then they have a game against South Carolina, a team that swept them during the regular season. Ole Miss makes quick and relatively easy work of the Gamecocks on Wednesday. And then finally Thursday in Hoover, Ole Miss and Vanderbilt, the Rebels exploded out of the gates for a nothing lead over the Commodores. Ended up hanging on 12-9. to uh, Mike Bianco has to bring in Wyatt Short to finally nail the door down uh, in the ninth inning yesterday at Hoover. Dave Bevan, you were there. That was something Mike Bianco did not want to do. He did not want to bring Wyatt Short into that game. Even though Short only faced two uh, Vanderbilt batters to finally close it, he didn't want to do that. But uh, Vandy charging hard right there at the end. Rebels hold on, as we mentioned, for that 12-9 victory. And they're off today. No baseball for Ole Miss on Friday in Hoover. If you had said that three days ago, most of you probably would have sworn the Rebels had been eliminated. But it's exactly opposite. Ole Miss, the first team in Hoover to punch its ticket into Saturday's single elimination semifinal round. They will play Today's winner of Texas A&M and Vanderbilt. That's an elimination game set to get underway at approximately 2 o'clock this afternoon. So, Dave, you watched that game last night. It was kind of an odd game in that Ole Miss took Mm -hmm. control early and uh, put the the, – kind of cruised for for a while, and then Vandy made it scary at the end. Yeah, if uh, you know, give credit to Ole Miss's uh, middle of the order and JB Woodman and, and Henry Lartigue and, and Kobe Bortles. Those three, that trio right there, has been uh, the key to Ole Miss uh, in this SEC tournament. Uh, right now, David, they are all three combining seven for 35 with 14 runs, 18 RBIs, seven doubles, one triple, and two home runs uh, at this portion in the tournament. So. You, you really have to uh, give credit to those guys because the way that they are just seeing the ball uh, very well right now. Um, and then you, you, you mentioned Bandy. I mean, Bandy uh, left a total of 13 runners on base yesterday and, and, and losing by three. Uh, you have to give credit uh, to uh, freshman right-hander James 
MacArthur, who pitched a solid uh, five and a half inning uh, for the Rebels there to in in, in portions of the game. Uh, one inning that comes to mind is, is the bottom of the second. Uh, he he got into to some trouble there, got the bases loaded, but was able to uh, uh, come out of it w- without any damage. And and that was uh, you know pretty much how up until that fifth inning. That that was pretty much MacArthur's story for the whole day. So he, he pitched a very uh, solid game, uh, was able to uh, uh, allow just three runs, two earned on five hits, and uh, strike out, uh, retire three batters. So uh, credit MacArthur for uh, pitching a solid game as well. MacArthur, a big old boy, a six-foot-seven-inch tall Texan out there, only a freshman. You're going to see a lot more of him in years to come. Uh, with the Ole Miss baseball program. Now, let, let's set the table, so to speak, for today's action in Hoover. Um, and, and in order to do that, let's take a look at what happened Thursday in Hoover. Texas A&M and South Carolina meet in an elimination game, and the Aggies knock the Gamecocks out of the tournament 4-1. to one. We'll come back to that in, in just a little bit because that's significant uh, in Ole Miss's uh, realm of things. Florida eliminates Alabama 5-4. Of course, we are talking about Ole Miss's 12-9 win over Vanderbilt. And then the late game last night in front of a packed house at Hoover, LSU topples Mississippi State 6-2. So going into today's action, this is what you've got. Only two games in Hoover today. Texas A&M and Vanderbilt in the day's first game. Both of these games are elimination. The winner of that advances to face Ole Miss at noon Central Time on Saturday in a semifinal single elimination bout. The other game today, Florida and Mississippi State, that one 30 minutes following the conclusion of game one. And the winner of that advances to play LSU in the other semifinal game on Saturday. Now, going back to South Carolina getting knocked out of this SEC tournament, when when this thing got underway, folks seemed to think South Carolina had a shot at getting a fourth national, top eight national seed for the SEC. The Gamecocks go two and out. I think that's over with now. Then the three teams that seemed to be in line for that number four top eight seed coming from the Southeastern Conference this year were LSU, Ole Miss, and Vanderbilt. Ole Miss took care of Vandy yesterday. I think Vandy's out of that conversation. The two remaining, if the SEC were to get a fourth top eight national seed, Ole Miss and LSU, and both of these teams could be on a collision course to not only play Sunday for the SEC championship day, but also playing for a top eight national seed, which, of course, that's important because if you can win your regional, which all of these schools are going to host first-round NCAA regionals, you can be at home for the super regional, which makes your road to Omaha theoretically, conceivably, a lot less bumpy. So, Dave, is the talk in Hoover as it kind of switched up to now maybe Ole Miss playing to become a top eight national seed? Uh, I def- they're, they're definitely more in, in the mix of that conversation now, David, than they were uh, heading into the tournament. You know, heading into the tournament, Ole Miss had, had lost three of their last four games of the 
uh, regular season, and, and now they're on this hot streak of uh, a 3-0 three, run so far in the in the tournament. Uh, LSU, had LSU lost to Mississippi State last night, uh, I, I think Ole Miss w- would have been in, in the top of that picking order battling and heading in, into the weekend. Um, but uh, what, where things stand now, in, in, in my opinion, I believe Ole Miss needs to see LSU slip up at some point in the tournament, if that is Saturday or Sunday, um, if Ole Miss makes it to Sunday, like you said, David, these these two teams, they not only could they be uh, playing for the SEC uh, tournament title, they could also be uh, competing for uh, one of the top eight national seeds, and um, you know that that would be a, a tremendous uh, boost for Ole Miss if they were to accomplish that, not only to win you know, an SEC title, but uh, you definitely want that in, into your postseason, not only hosting a regional, but if you're able to grab one of those national seats, then, then you get that comfortability of playing at home if you make it beyond a, a regional to play in a, a super regional at home. So, um, you know, and like like you said, David, I, I believe, I, 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 I agree with you. I, I think South Carolina is out of that conversation now after dropping – uh, the final uh, two games, they're now below 500 against uh, ranked teams uh, this season. So uh, that, that resume flipped up in the SEC tournament for them. Uh, so Ole Miss, what they need to do is, is just continue to win. And I, I really like for them to be there Sunday to strengthen that resume. Yeah, and one factor that, that should be considered is the fact Ole Miss took the regular season series from LSU two games to one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you certainly can't forget about that. But if things work out in Hoover where it's Ole Miss and LSU playing in the championship game on on Sunday, uh, you can throw that out the window because it, it won't matter. It's going to matter who wins that game. LSU wins it, and, you know, they played four times and split, and LSU won the last one. And and probably the most important one. If Ole Miss wins, then their case over LSU is very solid. They would have beaten the Tigers three out of four. They both got to get there first, and that's not going to be easy because no matter who Ole Miss plays on Saturday in their semi, either Texas A&M or Vanderbilt, uh, you've got a team that is very capable of beating you. And no matter who LSU plays on, on Saturday in their semi, Florida or Mississippi State, either one can beat you. And, and baseball's fickle. It's very, very fickle. When you look at the seeding for this tournament and what you've got left, Mississippi State's still alive on the brink of elimination. They were the number one seed. Gone is two-seeded South Carolina. Three-seed Texas A&M's facing elimination. Four-seed Florida's facing elimination. Six-seed Vandy's facing elimination. The two teams that are sitting pretty uh, and already in the semifinal round is number five-seed LSU and number seven-seed Ole Miss. So, you know, these seeding numbers are what they are, but uh, pay a little attention to that. The SEC is a very, very, very good baseball conference, probably the best in the nation. And uh, it's deep, and anyone can, in fact, beat anyone. Looking forward to those games at Hoover today, A&M and Vandy. Of course, Vandy kind of stung A&M uh, in, uh, a couple of days ago with that pinch hit walk-off home run that, that beat the Aggies. Uh, and then Florida and Mississippi State, I mean, here are two clubs, uh, two number ones, if you will. Florida number one in the nation in some national polls, although number four seated in the SEC. That's a testament to the depth of the conference. 
And then uh, SEC regular season champion Mississippi State, one of them will be going home today. So that's what you've got. Now, Dave, we were talking a little bit last night about the crowd and who had the most fans and everything. And, of course, the Hoover Met packed out last night with Mississippi State and LSU fans. Ole Miss, probably not as many fans. They played earlier in the day. Saturday, though, you seem to think that's going to be a little different uh, perspective when it comes to counting the Rebels in the seats at Hoover. Uh, you, you think uh, that the Rebel Nation is going to show up strong? Oh, I, I definitely believe that, David, uh, that they will uh, show up strong. Of course, uh, Ole Miss and uh, Bandy yesterday was a uh, late afternoon game uh, on on a Thursday on a on a Thursday. So uh, Ole Miss gets a break tomorrow on Friday, Saturday. Uh, you know, majority of of your uh, of your fan base is, is going to be off work for the weekend. So I, I imagine the the Hoover Met. I'll, I'll of course be there on Saturday. Uh, I, I'm predicting to see a lot of red in the seats. Now, uh, with with the Vandy and, and Ole Miss crowd yesterday, it, it was pretty well even. Uh, Ole Miss's uh, majority of the crowd base uh, sat uh, down the, the third base line, while Vandy's crowd sat down on, on the first base line. I know on Twitter it was trending of the uh, Vandy whistler, uh, but also Ole Miss uh, fans, they had – oh, yeah. We thought I had that in there. It, it was uh, it was just about every pitch. It, 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 he he got he definitely got his uh, 15 minutes of uh, fame there for sure. But Ole Miss fans they were uh, very uh, well uh, spirited throughout the game. Uh, one one uh, play that that just really stood out uh, to me from the crowd, uh, David, was when uh, Kobe Bortles drove home the three runs on on his double. The the crowd just erupted the Hoover Met with hotty totty chance. So Ole Miss fans, it, it may not have been as packed out as that night game there uh, with Mississippi State and LSU, but Ole Miss fans were uh, still there in strong support for the Rebels, and I expect there to be more Saturday. Baseball is a fun game to watch uh, when when there are lots of runs being scored, something Ole Miss has done in Hoover, averaging nine runs per outing so far at the SEC tournament, 27 runs scored in totality uh, in their first three games. And here's the thing that stands out to me. I mean, yeah, there's no doubt the middle of the order is on fire. And then, you know, Errol Robinson, uh, maybe he's starting to get uh, cranked up a little bit as well. But these 27 runs, particularly the last two games, but but all three teams Ole Miss has faced just thrown their ace at the Rebels. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, South Carolina rolled out uh, Clark Schmidt, and mm-hmm. Ole Miss handled him very, very well. Oh, my goodness, if you watched any of the pregame coverage on the SEC Network yesterday, you would have thought Jordan Sheffield was Cy Young incarnate. Uh, as much as the pregame coverage as they dedicated to the Vandy pitcher, who has a wonderful story, there's no doubt. But uh, uh, your heart, James MacArthur, we hardly knew you in the SEC Network's pregame coverage of, of that game yesterday because it was all about Jordan Sheffield and the narrative continued for Sheffield and, and, and a very positive narrative, even after the Rebels hung nine runs on him in five innings. He's a very talented young man, but uh, I thought MacArthur should have probably gotten a little more due. Uh, he certainly outpitched Jordan Sheffield yesterday. But my point being is Sheffield was the ace of the Vandy staff 
And, yes, he had a couple of bad defensive plays behind him, but at the same time, Ole Miss rattled his cage, as they did with South Carolina's Clark Schmidt the day before. So if you're going to get hot, there's no better time than the present. And, and, and the bats are hot for Ole Miss. You cannot say enough about what J.B. Woodman's doing. Although J.B. started uh, whiffing last night. I think he finished that game with three strikeouts last night. And you certainly hope that's not a precursor to, to J.B. Woodman going cold because uh, his bat has been a large part of what has been carrying the Ole Miss baseball team so far through this tournament. But but not only J.B. Woodman is ripping the cover off the ball, but Henry Larty, as you mentioned, Kobe Bortles, Mr. Doubles himself. I, I mean, you know, Kobe's got seven home runs all the year, but but he doubles every other at bat, it seems like. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yesterday doubles with the bases juiced, and that timely hitting coupled with some some really gutsy pitching performances, particularly James MacArthur. That name has not rolled off the uh, tip of the tongue of Rebel fans very much this year, although he's pitched well. He's six and one on the season now, but to be the game three, <clears throat> excuse me, defensive hero, so to speak, who would have thought it? James MacArthur. So. I want to ask you this, Dave. Now, after the game in Hoover last night and uh, uh, the Rebels talking to the press, Mike Bianco talking to the press, did he or anyone else allude to who Ole Miss may send to the mound on Saturday in the semifinal game? Was a word uttered about that? Will we see Brady Bramlett? Will we see Chad Smith, who's totally fresh right now? Uh, what uh, What is the consensus on that if there is one on this Friday morning? Well, the the question uh, definitely was asked at, at the tail end of the press conference, David, um, and, you know, Bianco's response, that it, it was pretty much like how it was heading into this game. It, it was right up to, to a couple hours before uh, first pitch that, you know, uh, it, it was reported that James MacArthur would get the nod. Uh, I see that heading into Saturday, and, and it could be a – strategic thing on on Bianco's uh part he yeah. probably does he, he he probably does want to see uh if Bramlett uh, you know has that on, on Friday if he feels very uh, well rested then you know come Saturday I think if if Bramlett is well rested by Saturday uh you know I, I think you do send your ace out there uh to to really close the deal and get you into that uh SEC uh, championship game, and then you you could um, throw out a, a Chad Smith out there, and well, and it and it could be uh, vice versa. You you may look at it as you know sending Smith to the mound and then saving your ace Bramlett if, if you do get to Sunday. Probably a little bit of gamesmanship going on there. Bianco probably knows who he wants to throw on Saturday. No need to tell his opponent as of yet. Uh, give them something else to. Think about it, a little strategery, if you will. One thing, one thing I've noticed over the course of the last week, maybe because I've been paying much closer attention to it, but Mike Bianco seems like he is having fun coaching this team. He seems looser than he has ever been before. He seems a little more confident than he's ever been before, and he certainly seems happier. And I can recall him being, even with Ole Miss teams that have made runs, even the one that made a run to Omaha. 
Mike Bianco seems loose. He seems like he's having the time of his life, Dave. Yeah, you know, uh, you go back to that 2014 uh, team, David. As you mentioned, you know, he seems looser this season compared to in 2014. It, it really didn't, you know, uh, he, he really, uh, to me, I don't remember him cracking a smile up until, you know, getting to Omaha. And that, I believe, was just a sigh of relief of, you know, uh, finally reaching that milestone for, for the uh, program. And, uh, you know, last year Ole Miss, uh, um, you know, had a very short uh, stint in the postseason play uh, in in the SEC tournament and in uh, the re- uh, Los Angeles region- regional. So I, I believe maybe the mentality uh, heading into this season was to, uh, you know, be a lot more looser. And, and with that comes confidence and um you know, Ole Miss, uh, to end the season, you know, there, there was a struggle there with the, like, like we mentioned earlier, losing three out of, uh, or out of their last four. And, and now, you know, they're, they're on, on that hot streak. And, and we saw that, you know, at different portions of, of the season, they, they started SEC play, SEC play, uh, real rough, but then they, they had a, a long stretch, uh, that included, you know, series wins over LSU and, and, and SEC teams like that. So uh, Ole Miss is, um, you know, and it, and it's like we said, it, they're just hitting the ball very well. That middle of the order is just seeing the ball very well right now. And, you know, the bullpen is deep uh, to carry them into a long uh, time in, into postseason play. So, um, you know, it, it's just very exciting to watch right now. Ole Miss off today in Hoover. Uh, I, I would I would be willing to bet they probably make their way down to Dreamland Barbecue at some point today. And uh, oh, that's some good barbecue right there. Oh, is it not? It's absolutely good. Every time I'm over in that neck of the woods, we try to uh, we try to get into Dreamland and uh, and, and grab some ribs and 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 just some good old fashioned plain white bread. You know, that's uh, part of the uh, mystique and intrigue of uh, of Dreamland Barbecue. But uh, hope the Rebels get rested up today. Again, they'll play at noon on Saturday in Hoover. We don't know who yet. Uh, we'll find out after Texas A&M and Vandy uh, beat each other up this afternoon and somebody will go home and someone will advance to play Ole Miss. Florida, Mississippi State, the other elimination game again today. The winner of that one advances to play LSU. Much on the line for Ole Miss. Not only are they playing to be SEC tournament champions, they're also playing for a top eight national seed. And if they keep on winning, there's not really a reason to think they won't get there. They just need to keep on winning. And already, no matter what happens Saturday, Ole Miss has had a great SEC tournament. The worst they could possibly be in Hoover is 3-1 and one if they lose on Saturday. If they win and they're in the title game, uh, watch out. You can have bonus extra baseball in Oxford. No doubt there's going to be an NCAA regional here next weekend. And we'll find out about that at 11 a.m. Monday, uh, Selection Monday, if you will. Uh, we'll find out where uh, and, and who everyone will be playing in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Ole Miss is at home. We know that already. Uh, that's not going to change. They're going to be a top 16 host team. 
We'll find out who gets to host Super Regionals and whatnot uh, via their top eight national seeds on Monday. And who's going to be in Oxford next weekend playing baseball? Dave and I were talking last mm-hmm. night after the game, and, and what a what a weekend it's going to be for us from a, uh, a coverage standpoint because on Friday, Friday night, next Friday night, Ole Miss has their elite camp. So top football prospects in Oxford on Friday night. And then on Saturday, they begin a series of uh, camps that'll last a uh, couple of days. So more prospects coming to town, coming to Oxford on Saturday. And at the same time, all of that's going on. We'll have an NCAA baseball regional playing out over at Swayze Field. So next weekend, wow. Action. Particularly to be the first weekend of June. You know, you think June, and really the only thing uh, going on in our industry is generally uh, prospect camps. Now, the excitement of an NCAA Oxford Regional, and this this town comes it comes to life. Not that it's ever not alive in Oxford, but man, it's just extra juiced up when the Rebels in the summertime are hosting NCAA tournament action. It's going to be a wild weekend in Oxford greatest little town in the state of Mississippi and even beyond next weekend. All right. We have talked about baseball. I have a thing on everyone's mind today. The elephant in the room, if you will, is the expectations are very, very high that Ole Miss is going to release their response to the NCAA's notice of allegations. I I reported what I've been told from very, very, very good sources yesterday in the Shark Tank. That still stands as of Friday morning. Haven't heard anything different. In fact, had a couple of those things confirmed. Is it all gospel? Probably not. We're having to work sources here. We're having to work sources on condition of anonymity. Anytime you do that, you preface it by telling you we're working sources on condition of anonymity, and you wait and see. And that's what we're in the mode of doing today. We're waiting and seeing if, when, and what regarding Ole Miss's response to the NCAA notice of allegations. All indications are, by the time the sun sets tonight, that's what we'll be talking about. But at this point, we're going to wait and see. And we'll be on top of it right here at Rebels 247. Ole Miss not the only Power 5 program dealing with uncomfortable news. I reckon you'd have to have been camping out under a rock the last 24 hours to not know what's going on out in Waco, Texas with the Baylor Bears. Art Bryles dismissed as the head coach of Baylor. You kind of see that one coming. Nevertheless, a scandal at Baylor involving the terrible four-letter word rape, then alleged cover-ups 
These are multiple events. We're not talking about a one-time thing. David paints a pretty awful picture. Mm-hmm. And it's easy. Yeah. Uh, let, let me say this. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. You cannot have it. Yeah. I, the, media tends to paint, the media tends to paint these kind of things in broad strokes. And listen, Art Browse didn't didn't assault anyone. Art Browse is a decent human being. He certainly did not encourage anyone. He didn't do it himself. But the people he was responsible for, who were part of the program he was responsible for, did do this. And and, and I've been an Art Browse fan. Years ago, I had the dubious assignment of covering Conference USA Media Football, uh, Football Media Days. was in Memphis that year. Art Bryles had just been hired as the head coach of the Houston Cougars. And I'll never forget this. They, they had all of the CUSA coaches in one big uh, banquet room at a hotel in downtown Memphis. And they basically just turned the media loose in there. And you could go around to each table and interview each coach. Well, at the time, I guess the, the, the big wig of the CUSA coaches was probably Jeff Bauer at Southern Miss. People hovering all around his table. There was Art Bryles, a guy no one, no one really knew, sitting over there in the corner, all by himself. So I, I wandered over there. And sat down and talked to Art Bryles. Got through interviewing him. I, I didn't need but a couple of quotes for the piece I was writing. And then I just got to talking to him about Texas high school football. And, and the game in general. Man, I enjoyed that conversation with Art Bryles. I got the time, as we said, many people, uh, many people didn't even know know the name. He was a Texas high school football coaching legend by then. And that's what we talked about, was Texas high school football. But I sat there with Bryles about 30, 35 minutes before the next reporter finally showed up and, uh, and busted our conversation up. But I really enjoyed uh, that, that time interviewing Art Bryles. And I wish him well in the future. Again, can't be dismissive of what happened with the Baylor football program. And isn't it, Dave, isn't it always the cover-up that gets you in the end? seems like yeah, that's true for everything. What it, do you it, definitely, it, it definitely, you know, any time those two uh, words, sexual assault, uh, becomes tied into a athletic program, uh, it, it, it's never – Good, and and the outcome of it is always just so so much more severe if you're you know uh, facing NCA violations for you know uh, something uh, opposite of that you know. But it, as far as you know, you, you you go back and look at you know the the Penn State uh, scandal there. I mean, it, it it starts at the top of the chain, and it and it is just a domino effect of uh, cleaning house on uh, just uh, not doing uh, what what you're supposed to do in that in that situation 
and that is to you know report these things in the the right manner and, and handle the situation in the right manner. And, and this Baylor scandal, this, this does not just involve the university. I mean, it, it involves uh, the police department there in, in Waco. It, it is just not a good um, scene there in, in Waco right now. And, um, you know, uh, Penn State has uh, recovered from, you know, their, their situation from years ago. That, of course, happened o over uh, Joe uh, Paterno's uh, final years, and it ultimately, you know, ended uh, his uh, uh, career there at Penn State, and uh, it really just completely, that situation just completely damaged his reputation uh, the, the remainder of his life, and it, and it, and it damaged his legacy uh, there at Penn State, and, um, you know, Baylor, uh, there, it's going to take time, of course, they can recover from this. Uh, but just like how in, in Penn State situation, it, it took uh, years uh, for for something yeah. like this to yeah to, uh, overcome. I'll be, I'll be honest with you; I don't even want to equivocate uh, what happened at Baylor with the with the atrocity. No, that is the Penn State deal. That is absolutely something that uh, I, I, I'm ashamed of on behalf of college athletics. Uh, I don't think Penn State handled that well. I don't think their fans handled that well. And, and if I may be cliche, it is what it is. And all of the evidence has pointed to Joe Paterno fully knowing what Jerry Sandusky was engaging in for a long, 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 long time. Mm -hmm. And he kept that pervert up there and still part of that program and I don't give a damn what his legacy is. I'll just be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Oh, I totally agree. I don't give a damn what Joe Paterno's legacy is. And I think it's severely tarnished. And it rightfully should be. And I, I, I don't, I, I've always been, I was always innocuous about Penn State. Didn't love them, didn't hate them, didn't really care about them. I, I I wouldn't pull for Penn State to win a turkey carving contest now. And that's just how I feel because I don't I I think immediately they, they, they selfishly and immorally tried to defend the stance defend their stance on protecting Joe Paterno. I don't believe that would have been the atmosphere had something that horrible erupted at any school, any school in the Southeastern Conference. I do not believe it. I think if it had happened at an SEC school, the fan bases would have been tremendously embarrassed and outraged and would have expressed it. So comparing Baylor and Penn State to me steps on toes just a little bit because Baylor's trying to handle this well. They screwed up. But heads are rolling. They're, they're not defending Art Bryles. I mean, they've basically stripped Ken Starr, the now former president of the University of his power. He's going into a quote-unquote chancellorship role, whatever in the hell that means. They fired Art Bryles. Had to. Absolutely had to. There won't be a statue of Art Bryles up in Waco. But to me, 
And, 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 and look, you can disagree with me if you want to. But Penn State, to me, is permanently stained because of the defense that they put out for Paterno. They were they drug their feet. Not look, they drug their feet when little boys were being hurt. And then they drug their feet to make some kind of ineffective attempt to rectify those horrible wrongs of the past. And there's just nothing that makes me more nauseated going back to that period when all of that was a hot topic of seeing Penn State fans defend, defend Joe Paterno. That's just where I'm at on it. Right or wrong, indifferent, horrible. And anyway, I had no intentions of talking about Penn State during this podcast, but uh, but since you brought them up, Dave, in light of Baylor, and, and it doesn't make the Baylor situation any better. Horrible. Horrible. Imagine if that were, you know, one of those young ladies at Baylor were your little girl. Mm-hmm. Here are some old men who just obviously look at her as an object, as fodder, trying to protect someone who has assaulted her. There's no room for that. There shouldn't be any room for it, whether I like Art Bryles or not. And I do like Art Bryles. Now, there's a case like this Similar, not of the sexual nature, but an assault case right here in Mississippi. Jeffrey Simmons, the big-time defensive end recruit that Mississippi State is welcoming into the fold. Of course, if you listen to Dan Mullen, things are still under investigation. They're still looking into the matter, trying to let all the facts clear. Facts will be cleared, folks, by the time camp opens in August, I promise you. It'll all of you be about second chances. And I'm not against second chances. Don't get me wrong. Particularly second chances for an 18-year-old kid. Lord, I can't tell you how many second chances I got when I was 18, 19, even 20 years old. Third chances, fourth chances. People not giving up on me when they probably should have. I'm all for second chances. Everything you do in college football now is under a microscope. doesn't matter if you're the third string tight end. You go out and you get arrested for DUI, public drunk. Hey, you're finally going to make the ticker at the bottom of the ESPN screen. The world we live in nowadays, it's a love-hate deal. Love college football. Love to see the success. And then the world loves to kneecap you as quick as they can when you are successful. And that is the mean, sometimes vulgar era of media coverage that we live in. Somebody knocked me off my soapbox, Dave Bevan. 
<laughs> well, I was not trying to insinuate that Penn State Baylor situations were. You know, oh, I know equally. you were. I know you were. Yeah, I know. I, I just take but every opportunity. The reason I can why to... I brought up that was is that that there was you know um, that when, when you go into a uh, situation of of a scandal, you know, it, uh, something of of, of uh, harsh. Uh, you know, situations as these, it, it is, you know, a, a trickle-down effect in, you know, the accountability portion of it, uh, you know, with, with uh, the situation and, you know, in state situation, I agree with you, you know, they did by wrong by defending, you know, uh, Joe Paterno, uh, but, but the overall outcome of that situation, it took a committee, you know, to uh, make those decisions um, and and they met that committee uh, after uh, the situation had gotten out of hand with that. Then you know they made that right decision of uh, start taking steps of uh, cleaning house. Yep, no doubt about it. And some people think that this will be the uh, that Baylor, the administration at Baylor, they have set a new standard in terms of how to deal with these black eyes that are given to college football programs. Certainly, Penn State didn't do that. Baylor, and in, 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 in the storm of all the negative criticism that is being flung at that university, they did the right thing. And there ought to be some currency in that for the Baylor administration to essentially rid themselves of the guy who was the Bear Bryant to their program. I mean, look, Art Browse is a magician. There was nothing there at Baylor. He waved a wand and made it nationally relevant. That man no longer has a job this morning because of what happened under his watch within his program. Brings me back to the Penn State deal, Dave, and I'm sorry I'm still on this, but they did it wrong on something that was as heinous as you could have imagined. They did it wrong. And it makes, coming back full circle here, it makes the the founded and, and unfounded allegations being fired across the bow of the Ole Miss football program looked like peanuts. When you're talking about a situation where people's lives were harmed at the scandals that happened at Baylor and at Penn State, you could even go as far as to say, I, I would imagine some lives were destroyed. Just keep that in, in, in perspective. Mm-hmm. When, uh, when you're sulking and, and, and soaking all of uh, everything in about Ole Miss and the NCAA, as uh, we do believe that at some time today, Friday, that uh, there will be some sort of release by Ole Miss regarding the allegations. And as a matter of fact, as we're talking, it has broken. 
will have more coverage of that on Rebels 247 as the day unfolds. Again, at the 9.40 hour, Ole Miss has released a statement regarding its status with the NCAA. That's going to do it for us on this TGIF Friday podcast. Stay tuned. We'll have full coverage of this breaking story. For Dave Bevan, I'm David Johnson for 247 Sports. Hadi Kadi. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.